Welcome to the Artist Work Ethic Podcast. I'm Mike Pilak. I'm a screenwriter and filmmaker who's always looking to maximize my time and potential as I work to break in. In this podcast, I talk to artists of all kinds who have seen success in their fields about their process, habits, and work ethic. My guest today is Heath Saracino. Heath played guitar for the New Jersey bands Midtown and Senses Fail. He was a founding member of Midtown, and they toured the world with the likes of Fall Out Boy, Blink-182, Gym Class Heroes, and Newfound Glory. After Midtown, Heath went on to join Senses Fail later in his career, and lately has had a renewed interest in making music, which we talk about in the episode. All right, Heath, thank you so much for coming on with me today uh, to talk about your work ethic and your habits. My first question for you is, when Midtown was still playing locally in Jersey, what was your vision for taking the band to the next level? And, and what steps did you take to put that plan you know, into action? Uh, well, thanks for having me, Mike. I'm looking forward to talking about all this. When Midtown was starting, we were all in college. Uh, I was going to Red Valley Community College, and the other guys were going to Rutgers in New Brunswick. I lived about 15 minutes away, 20 minutes away from them uh, in New Brunswick. I lived in Somerville at the time. Their schedules were all really weird. No one really had morning classes, and everyone kind of uh, stacked all their classes towards the end of the day, which meant that they would wake up very late, go to school, and then just hang out at night. We started working on a schedule where they would they would do all their classes in like the early afternoon, do their schoolwork, and then we would practice at like two o'clock in the morning. So we would uh, we would meet at Big Noise rehearsal studios in New Brunswick at sometimes, you know, midnight, sometimes one, sometimes two o'clock in the morning, play for like two or three hours. And then I would go home. I would sleep for five or six hours, wake up and then go to my, my job at the video store. I'd open the video store at 10 work there until about six o'clock, go home, catch a little nap and then do it again at night. I think we would do that three or four nights a week at times. And it was, uh, at first it was really exciting keeping that kind of a schedule. So you really feel like an artist, but it, it was just the only time that we could all get together and actually spend the time to focus on, on what we were doing. And then once we started practicing, we knew we wanted to, to play a lot. So we would, you, you come from the same scene. So you know how, how it was back then. Every weekend there'd be about four shows, Yep. You know, four or five shows, two on a Friday, two on a Saturday, one on a Sunday. We would try and get on as many of those as possible and just play all the time. So there was a real there was a real dedication and work ethic on your part and your band members in that even though you guys had jobs and school you still made it to the rehearsal studio at 2 a.m. and that was that takes a, a dedication that I think is important for anyone trying to break into a, a creative discipline of some kind. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's not a, it's not a fun schedule, but it we were just, we were young, we were in the right place at the right time, and we all saw something that we we wanted to put the extra effort into. Once you guys did break in, and we'll call it things got a little bit more comfortable, maybe, you know, you had more of a team around you, and maybe there was a little bit less of sleeping on a van floor, uh, you know, tumbling across Nebraska. How did you personally and and the band, how did you manage to maintain that focus and continue to 
write music at a high level uh, while balancing everything else you had going on? I think towards like the middle to the end of the band when things got kind of comfortable, we also got comfortable. We we didn't do the same type. We didn't have the same type of rigorous practice schedule that we had when we were starting out. We toured so much that playing every night was our practice. So we would tour for two or three months, come home, disassociate. And then before a tour, we practice a couple times and go through the motions and reconnect to that muscle memory that we had from, from touring in the past, the last few years and, and months straight and just kind of reconnect with each other as a band. So there wasn't quite as much practicing at that point, but there was a lot more, I guess, relationship building. You know, when you're living with the people in a bus or in a van for months at a time, you have to learn each other's quirks and it's kind of like being in a relationship with three boyfriends. Sure. You know, you, you know what pisses them off and they know what pisses you off. And yeah, you know that it's going to be a, lo a lot better of a tour if you can stay away from those things. Did you find that you spent much time together outside of touring to continue writing or make plans for the future? Yeah, we would hang out here and there. Um, we would go to sometimes we'd meet up at shows, go to things together. Tyler and I lived really close to each other for a while. We lived like a town away from each other. So we would meet up sometimes during the week when we were home and like go to the mall and buy ridiculous shoes or get like lunch or something. And as far as practicing and, and writing, we would, it, it would really depend on where we were in the album cycle. If we had just put out a record, we weren't going to meet up three times a week to try and write songs together. We would just be touring and get kind of burned out doing that. And then towards the end of that record cycle, we would start coming together again and, and focus on, on writing and kind of treat that as a different part of our band you know, like a different function. You talking about touring makes me think in order for you to accomplish what you were able to accomplish, there had to be some kind of sacrifice along the way. What is something that you feel, obviously <laughs> we're a few years removed from this at this point, but uh, what's something that you feel like you sacrificed along the way, but felt that it was worth it to have accomplished the goals that you set out to, to accomplish? That's a hard question. I mean, the, the thing that, that we realized immediately was that we were just going to miss a lot of birthdays. We were going to miss a lot of graduations. You know, we were going to miss a lot of anniversaries and wedding, things like that. So I missed, I missed a lot of that. I missed a lot of family life the first, first bunch of years that I was touring. And uh, that was something that we knew that we were going to do right away. And, you know, we felt like this was the only time that we can do what we wanted to do and focus on being, you know, a working band. We can't fly home for graduations and birthdays and stuff. Although I did, I did fly home for one graduation, my now wife's college graduation. But everything else, I, I missed it. I missed literally everything else while I was on tour. Even with everything that you did accomplish, both in Midtown and then later on in Senses Fail, you know, as, as nicely as possible, I'm sure it wasn't everything that you had dreamed of. And, and there was some kind of failure along the way, even in the, the shadow of your successes. When you did feel that occasional sting, what was, what was something that you told yourself to continue pushing forward despite what might have been an even temporary setback? You know, some of those things were, you know, you come up playing with a lot of different bands, right? And, you know, when you started as a band, you know, when these other bands started, you remember being on bills with them when they were opening the show. And when they only had three songs and when they had their old bass player or their old drummer or whatever. And then as things progress, you start seeing sometimes those bands just blow up and get gigantic. 
And you're always like, fuck, man, why isn't that us? You know, or like, or why didn't I join that band? Things like that pop up and there's jealousy. But then you have to think about all the other bands that you're that band to. Yeah. You know, like the band who started three years before you, that you you started begging them to put your band on their show. And now you're off touring the world and they're still, you know, in their garage in South Carolina. Yeah. And I, I've talked about that before in that I think so much of this is reshaping your perspective and and taking some kind of thing that you might consider you know a tough beat and realize that there's probably someone else out there who's would love for that i mean i you know just thinking of myself some of the scripts that i've written have done i don't know if you know much about the screenwriting world but there's a lot of it is competitions you enter a script and you know, it can advance into further rounds, you know, to eventually be a winner or not. I remember a few years ago when I was first writing, I would never advance anywhere, blanket non-advancements. And uh, then, you know, more recently, I think as my writing has improved, that stuff has started to come along. Things have blossomed out of those. And even where I do, and I don't want to harp on screenwriting competitions the whole time, but you know, even where I do get knocked out in a later round and kind of feel bummed about it for a day, it's one of those things where, you know, I've just got to take that perspective, reframe it in my head and realize that me four years ago would have been stoked to be at this point. And it's, and it's kind of that same thing with, with you and the band in that there would be tons of other bands that would love to have been in that position. Yeah. And, and it's all work. It's all practice. You know, you're all you're, the whole time you're doing that, you're learning your craft. You're picking out things that you like about your style and, and you're honing them. Let's say you did win one of those competitions in your first script. What would that have done for you? You know, you would have been in a place where now you think that you can't fail. Every single idea that you have is gold. You don't refine things. Yeah. You know, you have to have, you have to get punched in the face yeah. a lot in order to learn how to avoid being punched in the face. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's 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 a, a great anecdote in that, you know, even thinking that prior to, you know, Senses Fail in Midtown, you were in, I mean, I know you were in at least Nowhere Fast before that. And I'm sure you didn't start the band with the thought of, let's have this not really leave New Jersey. And right. you were able to, you know, you were able to get that done, get it out and, you know, move on to the next thing. Yeah, I mean, I grew up playing in bands. You know, I've, I've been playing guitar since I was 13 years old and I started playing with my friends. The entire reason I ever picked up a guitar was because my friend wanted to sing in a band. And he's like, I have a bass. He's like, why don't you just borrow this bass and learn how to play the bass? And, and then we can maybe play some songs together. And then we found someone else who played guitar. And after a couple of weeks, it was decided that I should play guitar and that other kid should play bass. And I started playing guitar and formed a bunch of bands with, with my best friend. And then we thought we wanted to be dream theater. So we learned how to play pretty well for 15 year old kids. We realized that we couldn't do that. Um, and then we got, a, then I got into punk rock and I, I saw that this was something that like I could probably do. But it wasn't until we started, it wasn't until we formed Midtown that I thought I could, I could actually like go on tour and maybe be like a musician. Uh, just to kind of wrap this up, I would really want to thank you uh, for coming on and talking about this and, and giving some perspective uh, for me and for anyone listening. Just to wrap it up, is there anything that you're doing these days uh, that you want to talk about or plug? 
Yeah, I think um, I think over the over the last year, I've been much more active in music. I didn't play guitar for probably about nine or ten years, outside of a couple reunion shows. In this time, like a couple friends approached me about a couple different projects. One is our mutual friend Christian Lesperance, which was the interchange. My friend Dave Deguire approached me about doing some acoustic songs last year, which got me like back into actually learning to to play song play other people's songs again, like le- learning songs verbatim. Um, and singing, playing guitar, and I'm doing a couple other projects. Uh, I have a project right now with with a bunch of friends. We have we have a bunch of songs written. We're not really ready to put anything out yet, but it, something will be happening in the next couple months. Nice. Um, and the biggest thing that I've learned over the past year about being creative is just when someone approaches you with an idea, humor it. Like yeah. just just listen to it and and say yes and see what you can add to it and if it goes nowhere and some things that i've tried have gone nowhere and they were they they didn't work out and i just didn't you know it just wasn't for me or you know like i felt like i couldn't add anything to the project but other things set me up for future opportunities sure Um, you know like i just started learning how to use GarageBand and logic again out of out of nowhere and that came in really handy pretty recently with this new project so, you know, I think that if you if you want to be creative, then be creative. Then just just do do what you can. Do what you can do and try and learn and, and try and figure out what you can do to be better at your craft. Agreed. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Heath. Thank you, Mike. It's good talking to you, man. You too. Be good. Thank you so much for listening today. Please subscribe to the Artist Work Ethic podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts and please rate and review the show. Follow us on Instagram at The Artist's Work Ethic and check out theartistsworkethic.com.